Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, where you are in the world. This is Mark Nias. Um, start a new podcast series called Sea Stories. Pretty much I'd like to get, get stories of vets like myself, a prior Navy service member and also served in uh, Operation Enduring Freedom. New podcast series, Sea Stories, where I talk to fellow vets and we share memorable stories of when we served. Today, episode one, my first special guest today is... Uh, E.T. had the pleasure of uh, serving with him on the USS Bonhoeffer Richard. We got Matt Holden here on Sea Stories. How you doing? Hey, Mark. What's up, man? Oh, uh, man. Doing pretty good, man. Thank you for uh, for being on the show today, man. Um, like I said, this is a podcast series I came up with. Um, along my journey post-Navy, any job that I had, well, any job, you, you, you run into service members, uh, we get together and, and we just we just talk, man, talk about the the times that we had in the military, civilians don't believe us. Um, awkward <laughs> enough, as of right now, I, w- I work at American Airlines, and uh, just by sharing my sea stories, or, or service, or when I served, I actually worked with a guy that used to work with my mom when she was stationed in Fighter Town, USA, or formerly of uh, NES Miramar. Oh, wow. I was like seven and eight. So, hey, welcome to the show. And uh, so, I guess we'll go ahead and get started, Matt. Post Navy or pre Navy, what were you doing, man? Where were you before the you you decided to join the Navy? So I wasn't really doing much, uh, which led me to join the Navy. Um, I had just graduated high school, and previously, uh, like in my junior year, I had joined the Air Force, um, oh, okay. like as soon as you could. So when I was like sixteen, and then I finished my junior year, went into my senior year, and decided that I didn't want to go in the military. Um, so I ended up getting out of my delayed enlistment program for the air force. Um, they weren't happy about it, but they finally let me out of it. Um, and then I decided I was going to go to college. So I went to my first year at community college and I lasted about five weeks (laughs) and, uh, realized that that wasn't for me either. So, uh, my brother was prior Navy. He was stationed down here in San Diego and he, uh, you know, he worked at a high school and he told me that he knew the Navy recruiter at the high school that he worked at. So he passed my number along. Guy called me up, had me signed up in like a day. And uh, I was gone like two months later. Wow. So, yeah, I wasn't really doing much, man. I was waiting tables at a little restaurant. Um, yeah, I just kind of didn't have any direction. So I decided I'd, I'd get out of there and, and join the Navy and find something that I wanted to do. So, and this was, you're from Sacramento. So was this in... Are you from Sacramento? I'm trying to. No, I'm actually from Bakersfield. Bakersfield. Remember? Was, yeah, because yeah, yeah, I was yeah, right yeah. down the street when you were at Lemoore. I was, I was growing up, just right down the street. Yeah. 
Nah. Okay, I, t- I totally get it. I totally get it. Yeah. There's nothing in the San Juan yeah, Valley. So- I was stationed in Lamar. Nah. I, was mad. I, was, I was stationed in Lamar. I thought I was going to Southern California. I didn't know I was going to Green Acres. Yeah, not a lot going on, especially back in the you know mid mid nineties. Um, there was not a lot of opportunities there. So yeah, and like I said, my brother had served. Both of my sisters had served before in the army and in the air force. Um, so you know, it was a military family, and, and you know, it was always kind of what I knew I wanted to do and what I was supposed to do. I just had a little little hesitation there after I graduated high school and thought maybe it wasn't for me, but you know. Four months later, I was signed up and, and shipping out. So, <laughs> so your, your story is kind of similar to mine, man. Because my um, my mom uh, retired yeoman. Uh, my dad was in the navy, and my stepdad was a recruiter. Uh, oh, wow. At the time, I lived in Mississippi. Mm. Um, the first time he approached me to join the navy, I was like, nah. But then after deciding I wasn't going to any college in Mississippi. <laughs> decided to do join the military so what uh duty stations were you at i, I remember we met at lamore i mean not lamore i'm sorry the bonham richard yeah that was my only duty station um being an et you know our schools were so long so i went straight to boot camp walked across the street went to a school and tech core over there um for ets and fcs we all went to a common uh, i forget what it's called now but it was called something like tech core school Mm-hmm. Um, where FCs and ETs, they taught you like basic electronics. When my brother was in, it was called BWE. It was like basic electronics in education or something. Um, and uh, then you split off into ET and FC when you get to A school. Um, so then I went, you know, two buildings over, went to A school. So I was out in Great Lakes for a long time. I was out there for wow. like a year. Yeah. Between boot camp and both my schools, I was there for a year. Ended up buying a car. And then when I got my orders, I picked San Diego so I could get back close to home yeah and uh drove my car from great lakes back to baker's made a stop in bakersfield and then came down to san diego and went to sea school down here for the uh spin 67 navigational radar and that was uh that was my sea school and then i got to the ship so i had been in for a minute and then i spent my next four years on the ship and then i was out so wow so you uh yeah, yeah being on the boat i know you got some stories uh <laughs> we, and you were on during when we had to do operation enduring freedom or after september 11th yeah i was on the next two deployments that we did basically back to back so i did operation enduring freedom right after september 11th and then i did operation operation iraqi freedom like five months after we got back we had that uh we had that captain that wanted to get a star so he volunteered us to turn around and go right back the gius right the juice, yeah. <laughs> yeah, juice. After, after Operation Dura Freedom, I, I threw my deuces up. My enlistment was over. Like, hey, I'm, I'm out. Yeah. So, with that backstory, tell us a, a memorable sea story. Then this is a true sea story because you're yeah. on the Baham Richard. Well, yeah, you might remember this. So, you know, I, I have a couple that, you know, usually come up when I start telling stories. But I think one of the, one of the crazier ones for maybe people who didn't serve is that, you know, when we were out there after September 11th, right, um, you know, we were, we were attacking uh, Afghanistan. But mm-hmm. then when we went over for Iraqi freedom, it was all about Iraq and having the weapons of mass destruction. So basically from the day we left port in San Diego, we were told that there was a high chance of chemical weapons being used. So we had to carry around our gas mask at all times, right? Oh, yeah, um, yeah before we would drill with them and stuff like that. And we kept them in our GQ space or in our shop. But on that deployment, we were walking around the ship with them on person. So 
um, you know, most of us kind of thought, whatever, you know, we're out in the ocean, nothing's going to happen. And then, uh, so it was just a regular, you know, weekend day. I think it was Saturday or Sunday because I was kind of sleeping in a little bit. And I just remember waking up, somebody ripped the curtains open on my rack and uh, they leaned in and they had their gas mask on. They're just like, get out of your rack, get the GQ, you know, <laughs> like I couldn't even understand what they were saying. I was still like half asleep. And I realized in the background, I hear the chemical alarm going off, you know, and you can't miss that one. It's that just loud, piercing sound. So I realized, you know, oh, shit, man, the chemical alarm's gone off. So I hop out of my rack, put on my coveralls, throw on my gas mask. I'm running out of birthing. And our birthing was like two decks down from the main deck. So we're, we're jamming up through ladders. Everybody's trying to dog doors. And uh, I don't know if you remember that, that airlock yeah right by right next to the galley line you know mm-hmm. how there was like an airlock right there everybody was trying to get to their gq station everybody's wearing gas masks nobody you know you can't see <laughs> out of the sides of your gas mask and um everybody's freaking out we got in that airlock and we're trying to jam it shut there's like i don't know probably nine of us crammed in there like a clown car man trying to get through and uh it was it was just wild man you know it's funny to tell it now but looking back it was uh it was crazy. So I finally got up to my GQ spot, which was in Radar 1. It was like on the 03 or 04 level in the island. And uh, it was just me and this dude, FC2 at the time, Ben Kohler. And uh, that was our GQ station. It was this giant radar room. with uh, My radar was like in a little corner of it, and then the rest of the giant room was filled up with his radar. He was a 48 tech. Um, so he was, you know, that thing's like the three-dimensional uh, yeah. radar. So it took up a ton of space. And, and so... We're kind of freaking out and they're coming over the the one mc and they're telling us like hey man you know we're checking it out everybody stay in your gq stations keep your gas mask on and uh we just started playing cards um <laughs> we didn't know what else to do so like i said it's kind of funny looking back on it because we at least i did i don't know how ben felt but i know for a minute there like i literally thought i'm gonna die man i was like hey if they hit the ship with some kind of chemical thing like I didn't get here in time. I didn't get my gas mask on time. I'm sure all like the the hatches didn't get dogged in time. Like, you know, and I'm just thinking about all the trainings we had where they're talking about all the different chemical agents and like skin yeah. peeling off, you know, and I'm like, okay, I buttoned my coverall uh, sleeves and I put my, my pant legs in my socks. You know what I mean? Like that, that's not going to help me. You um, know, it's crazy. That whole, I think when we had to do our with Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Enduring freedom. I remember it all clear as day. Like when the captain told us there's a 99.9% chance we're going to war. Uh, do you remember all the watches we had after 9-11 on yeah. the ship? And I just remember yeah. like I shut a lot of stuff down. Do you remember when we were in Singapore? Uh, when like I think the boat had broken and we had to pull into Singapore, and we had like a we had a a, general, a, a warning. I just remember this because I remember Ford like, "Hey, it's GQ, everybody get up!" <laughs> yeah. But I think it was like the night before. It was like the night after New Year's, so we were all kind of like, I know I was yeah. hungover, 
And yeah. then I remember the captain's That's security. one of the main things I remember about Singapore is that we spent New Year's Eve there. Yeah. So yeah. then the captain uh, secured, uh, they secured Liberty, but then yep. he, he was like, no, you guys can go on Liberty. And I remember, I was like, I got to get the hell off this ship. So I got a cab and I got a hotel room off the off the ship. And I remember the guy that was in the cab with me telling me, like, look, let me be a cab driver because there's guys here in Singapore. The Al-Qaeda's here. They want to attack you or whatever. And me, I'm like, whatever, dude. Just get me to my hotel. If I need to go back to the ship and need to go out in town, I'll give you a buzz. And I remember, like, thinking, um, like, how would they attack us? And I remember at one time while we were there, while we were in port, um, I had watch, like, gate, you know, by the gate and by the ship. And mm-hmm. I remember, like, people riding baskets with the little uh, riding bikes with the baskets but I didn't think too much of it and I remember when we pulled out that and this scared the hell out of me this was like a wake up call for me like yo this is real I remember when we pulled out I was actually in our our admin room on a computer and now they uh, whoever was in Afghanistan I think Marines of the Army they found videos and they were actually doing surveillance of us and they actually were gonna the way that they were plotting on bombing our ship was one of the people with the little bikes with the basket on it and this is as we were this is as we were pulling out man and i was like yo it just got real (laughs) yeah i don't remember that but i do remember that liberty got secured and i remember they only let us out if we had like a a liberty buddy and we had to like if we were staying in a hotel we had to give them the number of our hotel and the room we were in uh, so they could recall us like immediately and i remember you know, I was young, man. I was like, I think when we went to Singapore, I was 19, maybe 20. Yeah, because we I, had a, I, I thought it was a joke. I'm like, ah, whatever. You know, we're fine. They're just being. I remember that we had, a, wild, but. we had that log, and actually, Brock Blair was my 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 uh, Liberty buddy. You remember Brock? He kinda, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, man! You just brought back memories. So I know yeah. being on a Bon Harmer shard because that was my second duty station. I was like, oh my god! I to me sometimes the Bonnie Dick felt like Oz sometimes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. But I know yeah. you got some more stories, man, from the, uh, man, you, that was your whole, your whole tour was on the Bonnie Dick. Yeah. I mean, I was there for a minute and I did two back-to-back deployments. So there was always something wild going on. And that ship, you know, I wasn't on any other ships in my career, but I just, and I, and I know everybody has sea stories and everybody thinks their ship was wild, but the BHR was wild, man. It was like brand new condi- commissioned half the people on the boat were plank owners so they had like built the boat they were tired yeah. you know what i mean they they like took personal pride in it i just feel like it was a different uh it was a different vibe I, this isn't like a story of mine but i remember one time uh we had karaoke on the mestex and oh, this dude that. uh he was singing uh what's that song where uh talk about uh once got busy in a burger king bathroom Oh, the Humpty Dance, yeah. The, yeah, the Humpty Dance. But he changed the lyrics to say, I once got busy in a Bonhomme bathroom. <laughs> and, like, the whole ship was down there on the mess deck listening to it, and everybody just, like, went wild. And there were officers and chiefs, and you know what I mean? Like, nobody – it was like when you wanted to have fun on that boat, nobody cared. And then when it came time to work, everybody had to work. And uh, oh, yeah. I don't know, maybe it was like that on all the ships, but it was it was wild. So I think one of the other ones that comes to mind is uh, when we were – we went out to Thailand, and uh, there's a lot of sea stories you can tell about oh, yeah. being around Th- Thailand. But Thailand is but, real. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> but uh, 
we were about to we had just got to thailand and my radar had broken and i was on i was a spiz 67 tech which is the main navigational radar right we yeah. had a bunch of air radars we had like three different air radars we had a bunch of fire control radars but for navigation we had one and it was a 67 we had like a little uh one they called a 73 that was on the bridge but it's like a furuno it's like a commercial one that people put on like yachts you know what i mean so uh-huh. not really up to like military standards so the 67 was really our, our main navigational radar and it broke and so I remember I was working nights at the time. So I was working from seven at night till seven in the morning and it had been down all day and I got woken up and they were like, Hey, the radar is broke. You got to come up here and help it out. And, uh, so I, I went to troubleshoot and I ended up being up for like, I think a day trying to troubleshoot it. Wow. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was, uh, it was pretty wild, man. These tech manuals that the Navy gives you, you know, they're like three feet wide and a foot tall and, you know, 150 pages thick. And, you know, those radars are pretty, pretty detailed. I'm not sure what they're like now. I don't know if there are a lot of like, uh, you know, like a lot of just swap it out and pop in a whole new module or whatever. But back then yeah. it was like the lowest really you could get was like a, a card. You could pop out a card, but there were like 80 cards in the radar. You know what I mean? So you had to go through every single one. But uh, so I ended up staying up for like a day, day and a half. Um, I finally find out what the problem is, so I go brief everybody, and they're like, yeah, we don't have that part on board, but we're going to be in Thailand tomorrow, and the USS Decatur has that part. So I'm like, all right, well, we'll get the part from the Decatur, I'll slap it in, and we'll be good. Well, they tell me later, they're like, hey, you got to go get that part. And I'm like, what? (laughs) You got to go get it. How am I going to go get this part? And so we're in port and we're anchored. And so is the Decatur because in Thailand, there was no nowhere for us to pull in. Everybody anchored off and took the Liberty boats in. Yeah, yeah. So they lowered the captain's rib and they brought it down to the well deck and they made me get on the captain's rib, right? And they drove me. It was like a mile across open ocean over to the Decatur. And then I get over to the Decatur and I got to climb the little ladder to get up on that destroyer. Wow. Yeah. It was wild for me, man. Like I said, you know, again, I'm like a 20-year-old kid, and I'm, like, out cruising across the ocean in this little, you know, captain's boat. And uh, So I get on the boat, and I bump into this guy, ET3 Brown, and he was in my sea school. <laughs> so I hadn't seen anybody from school in, like, two years. Mm-hmm. And I bump into this guy, and he's like, hey, Holden, what's up? And I'm like, hey, what's going on, man? My radar broke, and I'm here for a part. And he's like, yeah, 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 hey, we got that part for you, but... uh hey, our 67's broken too and we can't figure it out. <laughs> so, oh, man. so I'm like, all right. So I spent like another like five, six hours on their boat looking at their 67. I got the part in hand for our ship, but they're asking me to help them out. So I'm sitting there and I'm going through it, trying to help them figure it out. We finally get it figured out what the problem is. And they're, you know, like, cool, thanks, man. Appreciate it. So I get back in the rib. And, all right, cool, I'm going to cruise a mile away, I'm going to get back on the boat, and I'm going to fix this. Well, turns out, in Thailand, they have tropical storms all the time that come out of nowhere. So as soon as we left the Decatur, the water starts getting choppy, it starts pouring rain. And you know what a rib looks like, it's just a little rubber hole inflatable boat, you know what I mean? It's tossed around, yeah. Yeah, so I'm bouncing around, and I've got this, this IC card, right? It's like, you know, maybe a foot by a foot. And supply says it's worth like seventy thousand dollars, <laughs> and it's in this little plastic electrostatic discharge bag. And now we got a thunderstorm hitting on us. So, oh man, yeah, we're bouncing all over the ocean. It starts pouring rain. I got the seventy thousand dollar card 
in my in my hands and the decatur is the only boat within 500 miles that has this part so if i lose this part or it gets wet or whatever like we're out of luck and we were on our way back from thailand we had to transit the uh, straits of malacca i think oh Mano- yeah or hormuz i think we had to do both and you can't do that without navigational radar man like the the clearances on each side are like you know not even a nautical mile and so so I ended up shoving it down inside my coveralls, zipping my coveralls all the way up, and I laid down on the bottom of the rib in, like, the fetal position (laughs) just to keep it dry. (laughs) And the whole time, it's just smacking and bouncing me, and I'm popping up, and, like, the boat's mate that's driving is just laughing at me, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that was was a wild time. And then we get back to the boat, and I got to install this thing, and then I got to tune it up because the card that broke was, like, the transmit receive card, which Mm -hmm. is like the most important part of a radar that's all radars do is they transmit a signal and receive it and they use timing to see how long it's been so they can find out where that signal stopped and bounced back right yeah so i had to retune the entire radar and then i think it was about three in the morning when uh i finally got finished and i went and briefed the cso and everything was all ready to go so at that point, I'd been up for like three days, been tossed around the ocean. Yeah, it was pretty wild. And and me and my LPO, my LPO had to stay there. Bummer for him, man. He had to stay there and help me out. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And make sure that everything was good before he could go on Liberty. I don't yeah. know if you remember him. His name was ET1 Leon. Okay, yeah, yeah. I remember Leon. He was he was from the islands too, so he you know he kind of had that DB vibe too. <laughs> <laughs> Darnell, <laughs> yeah. you know? and he was on I forget what he was on before. I think he was on the Kitty Hawk before, so he'd always talk about like back on the Kitty Hawk, you know, like yeah. always like rapping to me about the way it was on the Kitty Hawk and all this stuff. But he had to stick around with me until I finished it, and I had never been to Thailand before. I think at this point on deployment, like the only places we'd been were like. Hawaii or Guam or something yeah, like, think, like because Guam, it was yeah. ni- because it was nine eleven we didn't like take our time you know what I mean we went straight to the Gulf yeah and this our way back so on the way back we were hitting all the ports instead of doing like half there and half back so I hadn't been to anywhere cool yet and here we are we're sitting off the coast of Phuket Thailand you know and I'm like twenty oh, years old Phuket. I'm like man I'm oh, trying to get to goodness. Thailand and he's sitting there telling me how rad it is the whole time and how you know telling me old sea stories about the Philippines and Thailand so we finally get it wrapped up. And uh, he hops on a Liberty boat with me and we pull into shore. And like I said, it's probably like three in the morning and uh, we roll up to the pier where they were dropping us off. And there's just a line of cabs waiting for whoever wants to get in. And I remember he he pulled up 
with me and he's like, hey, here's a cab. Let's get in a cab and get into the city. And as soon as we got in the cab, the driver walked us around to the back of the trunk, opened up the trunk, and his whole trunk was like an ice chest. With He had beer in there. He had booze. He had cigarettes. Oh, he had like, anything you ever wanted. And I was just like, man, after three days of working on this radar, getting tossed around in the ocean, like this is this is a dream come true. And it was basically like adult Disneyland for the next four days. Oh, yeah, man. Thailand is... I tell people they don't believe me, man. Thailand is the devil's playground. Shout out to uh, Jason Seavers with his Thai tattoo in the back of his neck. (laughs) (laughs) Dirty world on the back of his neck. (laughs) I'm going to tell him to listen. I'm going to tell him to give him a shout out. I'm about to tell him, man. Uh, (laughs) And you said you had one more, man, before we uh, call this a wrap. Yeah, I think the, the other one that came to mind, you know, when you asked me about doing this was the band on the ship. And how we actually got to play uh, a Steel Beach Picnic. Oh, yeah, Steel Beach Picnic. You got to explain the Steel Beach Picnic, too. Yeah. So for those of you that weren't in the Navy or didn't have to do, like, wartime deployments, right, a Steel Beach Picnic is where you go up on the flight deck or I guess sometimes they pull a barge up if you're on, like, a destroyer or something, and they, they grill up a bunch of burgers and dogs and everybody hangs out. But we had been underway for more than 45 days straight, which hadn't happened in a long time. So there's also a rule in the Navy where if you do more than 45 days straight at sea, you get a beer. It's called beer day. Everybody gets two beers. Yeah. And so we had a steel beach picnic, and it was also beer day for us. And there were, like, old-timers on our boat that had never had a beer day. They'd never been out more than, like, a couple weeks at a time. And here we are. We're at day, like, 49. And I think that, that deployment we ended up doing, like, 93 days straight. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah, it was rough. That was that was a long time to be a C man. Hey, before you before you go, I gotta have to interrupt because yeah, I remember it was me, you, Wozniak, because Wozniak was part of our like little hip hop collective. He used to like, hey dude, used to mess with him, and I think it was you and Wozniak that got in the argument, and Darnell Ford was like. He was like, uh, what did he say? He said something, man, but it was, it was like his infinite wisdom. And he's like, what do all these things have in common and music and da-da-da? And we're like, what are you talking about? It's the vibration. It all has vibration. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that speech he gave us, man. But he... <laughs> man, the guy gets so many speeches. I don't know, man. I don't remember. I, that sounds vaguely familiar. Um, there's also a story with me and DB where <laughs> we... we uh, we were having some words, man, and he was he was a first class and I was a third class and you know, his words were you know, that was the way it was supposed to go and I wasn't having it and uh yeah. Tim, you remember Nordine, right? Yeah, Nordine. Shout out yeah. to Nordine. Yeah, I'm actually gonna hang out with his <laughs> uncle in Durango, Colorado this weekend, so Oh nice. Um yeah, Tim just uh came on board at my company a while back, so he's he's a coworker of mine actually again, after, you know, fifteen, eighteen years later. Wow. But, uh, you know, Tim was kind of old school. And, uh, you know, he, he said, let's go up to Radar 4 and let's handle it. So he brought DB and me <laughs> up to Radar 4. And Radar 4 had a cipher lock on it with only a handful of people had the code, right? So he throws us in Radar 4 and he's like, all right, work it out. <laughs> Are you serious? Like, yeah. you, you guys was about to go ahead? <laughs> yeah, but I think that he thought, like, that that wouldn't happen or that, like, yeah. Maybe that's not what he meant, but I took off my hat and I was like, let's go, bro. 
<laughs> me and DB met up in the middle of Radar 4 and we started wrestling around for a minute and Tim finally pulled us apart and he's like, what are you doing? Dude? You can't like, you can't fight a first class petty officer. And I was like, I, that's what you said, man. You said handle it. So. Oh, that's funny, man. Me, me and DB are cool now, but uh, but uh, yeah, man, that was, that was a wild time. Um, but yeah, so the band thing, we, uh, we had that space in Radar 4 that was basically ours. It was an old 2M shop and nobody used it anymore. DB was the 2M guy and he had a shop down on like the main deck and he liked being down there and playing his music and being Just social and stuff. So, yeah. yeah, so nobody really messed with the other 2M stations. So I brought my bass on board. Wozniak had a guitar. Um, this kid that was in the shop with me, ET3 Smith, James Smith, we called him mm-hmm. Smitty. Yeah, I remember Smitty. Yeah, he's yeah. from Texas as well. Yeah, I remember Smitty. Yeah, he was. He was a Texas dude. Um, I recently just got into touch with him on Facebook again after you know years and years. But uh, he had that. There was that radar dome right outside of Radar Four. This big dome for the thirty-five, which was like an air search radar that never worked. Even when he would spend days fixing it, like something that would break the next day. Right, that guy. Like that's all he ever did was fix that damn thing. Yeah. But uh, so he was the drummer. But we didn't have any drums on board. Um, so we were like, man, that'd be cool if we could start a band. And it turns out I knew this girl from the Sardet. And she was like, hey, one of our Hilo pilots is a drummer. And she brought an electronic drum set. Wow. And the Sardet doesn't have any room to store it. So she said that if you guys can store it in your space, that your guy can play it. And we were like, what? No way. We're going to get a band together. So... We talked to this. I think she was like a lieutenant. She was a helo pilot. She let us grab her stuff. She just uh, wanted the code to the room so she could come up and practice, which she never did. She was flying missions all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had this little band going, man. And uh, we did. We wrote a bunch of originals. We had this guy that was uh, he worked with Wozniak that was a singer. I think his name was Brandon, but I can't remember his last name. And uh, we wrote some originals. We, you know, me and Wozniak were into punk. Um, so was he and Smitty was kind of like into whatever, like he wasn't a big punk, but he was cool with punk. Um, you know, and he was also into like just straight up like rock. So we wrote a bunch of songs. We learned some covers. We covered sublime. We covered some green day. And, uh, so the steel beach picnic was coming up and we're like, Hey man, let's play a show on the ship. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like that, that'd be cool. So, um, we, we get it all dialed in with like MWR and stuff. And then like, I think it was the night before or the day the day before or maybe like two days before the MWR officer came calling and he was like hey man I gotta hear you guys play because like I don't know what yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean like I can't, uh, yeah. I can't approve this until I've heard you and like our stuff was not super like everybody friendly you know what I mean like it was yeah. it was punk and some of the covers were like mellow but like still not everybody's cup of tea and maybe not like super politically correct or appropriate you know what i mean yeah um, we had songs about like getting too drunk to you know walk anymore we had songs about like an ex we you know um we play sublime songs that talk about smoking weed and everything so this guy wants to come hear us and we're like dude what do we do we can't play him any of our songs you know what I mean? <laughs> so we like we used to warm up and kind of like sound check our levels and stuff with this old like jam that we wrote that sounded super like 70s to us Mm-hmm. It didn't have any words. It was probably like loosely a cover of like any standard 70s song. You know what I mean? It was just kind of a jam that we would like warm up with. So when he came in, we just played that for like five minutes straight. 
we didn't say any words. We didn't like we didn't do anything. He's like, "Oh, are you guys just instrumental?" And we were like, "Yeah, mostly." Like we just straight up lied to this. Dude. <laughs> and, uh, he's like, "Oh, okay, cool." You know, and uh, so he's like, "Yeah, we're, we're good. We'll see you at the picnic." And gave us the time and everything. We took a bed sheet and some spray paint, and we were calling ourselves the Pirates. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> Wozniak had to spell it with a Y, right? It couldn't just be regular Pirates. Yeah. It had Pirates. Very <laughs> Park, yeah. <laughs> So we took this big bed sheet and we spray painted pirates with a Y on it. Um, we had like a stencil and like tried to make it look, you know, somewhat legit. And we hung it from that radar four area where the, yeah. either where the dome is. And they built up the stage right behind it. And I think, uh, I think it was Danny. I think he was the one setting up like the sound and everything. Oh, Danny uh, Hayes? Yeah, Danny Hayes. Oh, yeah. That's my so. boy right there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wasn't he like, because he was doing, He's he was like doing PAO. something like that. Right? Yeah. Yeah, PAO, yeah, he's a P PAO, yeah. Yeah. So he like set up the sound for us and we got up there and we uh we just started playing our songs and we led off with that that instrumental jam that we had played for the <laughs> for the MWR officer. You know, and some of the like older dudes were jamming and stuff like that and they were like, Alright, all right, yeah, this is cool and then Wozniak hit that 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 distortion pedal and we started playing some super fast, like old punk and uh yeah it it, it was cool, man. Like a lot of our friends thought it was fun, and you know, I think people were just excited that something different was happening. But yeah, I think that NWR officer and some of the old timers were not stoked that there was like a three piece punk band up there singing about <laughs> smoking dope and getting hammered and they whatever. No, I was, man, man, you brought up some good memories, and, and then I didn't I, like. Uh, I was actually in New York not too long ago. We did uh, the saw the nine eleven museum and. You don't realize that that was damn near 18, 19 years ago. And it feels like to me yesterday. I mean, now that we talk about it. It's wild, dude. I was in a parking lot a couple months ago. And I was on my bike, my motorcycle. And I was sitting there for a minute because I was waiting for a a store to open up. It it opened at like 10 and I was there like 9.50 or something. So I was just hanging out waiting for it to open. And this kid walks up to me and he's like, I say kid because he, you know, to me, he looked like a kid. Yeah. He starts talking about bikes and... um, he saw some of my tattoos and he's like, Oh, were you in the Navy? And I was like, yeah. And you know, Oh, when'd you, when'd you go in? I was like 99 to 04. And he's like, Oh man, you were in during September 11th. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, I remember being in like first grade watching that. Wow. <laughs> and he's like, that's why I joined the Navy. But it's always weird to me to see guys that were like there during it. And I was like, bro, you're like a child. <laughs> like, man. Like, like we're Vietnam vets, right? He's yeah. Just... <laughs> right. Yeah. It, was, it made me feel super old. Like he was, he was super nice and respectful and he was yeah. just like, you know, thanking me for my service, you know, which most people do when you tell them you're a vet Yeah. super, you know, he meant well, but it was funny. Cause I was like, damn, I'm like the old vet now. I'm sitting out here on a Harley in a parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> When you say it, man, like, cause I know I was in like 97 till 2002 and yeah, I was like, I was in my early twenties and like, even now, you know, like, um, I, I talked to my, well, my daughter's, she'll be 13 in two months, but it's just like, wow. You know, when we talk about that, that time piece, but, um, thank you for sharing your stories and what are your closing thoughts? Like, what are your, um, me personally, I didn't enjoy <laughs> Being out, being on the ship um, at the time, I didn't. But then after a while, in retrospect, man, it was some of the best times I had. And like fellow shipmates like you, we haven't talked in years, but you know we get together. It's like you know time never, never went by. And then during that time, you you really get to know people. Yeah. Um, I, the best decision in my life. And then even that that ship life, 
it's never nothing can ever mimic or mirror that and what are your thoughts about your military career and serving well i kind of agree with you man that it's it's the coolest and best thing i ever did for myself but during the time i didn't think so you know what i mean i was always I was a kid, man. I didn't I didn't know better. I was always mad that they were telling me to cut my hair and I was mad that they were telling me to put a belt on, you know, and yeah. All this stuff that is just part of military life of not being an individual, you know. I wanted to be different and I wanted to be a smart ass and you know, now when I look back on it, it's some of the greatest times of my life. I made some of the best friends of my life. Yeah. Um last year the Bonhomme Richard had its 20th anniversary of its commissioning. And I saw that and, in uh, yeah, Steve Joseph, who I became friends with kind of after I got out, just because he was friends with some of my friends. Um, he was like, hey, I'm coming out for it. Can I crash at your pe- at your place? And I was like, yeah, for sure. And he said, well, hey, they want a plus one, or they're giving us plus ones. You want to come? And I was like, yeah, man, I'm not a plank owner, but I'll go back. And I went or I walked around that ship. There were like 70 of us, Mark. Yeah. All plank owners and some of us that weren't plank owners but still lived in San Diego and just wanted to go. And we just walked around the ship, went to our old little spots on the boat and like, Dude, it came back. It was like it was like I was there again, but like in a good way. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's just wild, man. I still work for the Navy as a civilian now, and I bump into people from the ship. You know, like I said, Tim and I work in the same company now. And uh, old Chief Skinner, maybe he made Senior Chief. I don't know if you remember Mike Skinner, but he was like yeah, an OS, yeah. I think. Um, he was down there in the in the dark rooms with you. Um, he. Dude, he works around there. Like, it's just always, I, you know, Katie, um, she was gassed then. She's Craig now. But, yeah. you know, I'm, she, like, got me my first job in the government. And, uh, oh, wow. you know, those those bonds go on forever, man. Like, you know, people always say that it's kind of like college, but I think it's, like, even better than college. You get nice. all the same benefits of college, like like that fraternity, you know, vibe afterwards and, and the connections and all that. But, you get to see the world, man, and you get to do some shit that like not a lot of kids want to do no, no. or think get the opportunity to be a part of, you know. Yeah, think about it. We were young and in charge of multi million dollar yeah. equipment. And then like the funny thing, like me, Seavers, um, Bishop, like you said, I've I've run along, I run into people. Hell, have, have some of the jobs I had was because of my connections. And I was yeah. able to help out some shipmates. Um, I remember like we were out to sea. I mean, Listen, look at man, you. I'm, you were like 20 years old landing, landing helicopters. Oh, yeah. Dude. <laughs> That's wild, multi, man. Multi-million dollar aircraft, right? Yeah. And I, never really, I never really thought about it until I got into the FAA. I was like, whoa, this is <laughs> it's real. But I it remember we were like, you're out to sea, and you see these people all the time, so you get to know, like, very intimate things about their lives. Like, one day yeah. it was me, Seavers, and Bishop. Everybody in HDC and like for two days, we're naming off eighty songs. You sit there like, yeah. But you're out to see. That's all you, you know. And then like, yeah. I, I laugh because like you mentioned uh, Wozniak, and like me and this little kid. Well, he's not a kid anymore. He we we hung out deep sometimes too. And it's just yeah, you, those bonds. Are, you know, man. Like even now, like talking to you is like just bringing up memories that fond, great memories. Well, I think it's crazy, too, especially you talking about Wozniak and like, you know, it's nothing like groundbreaking, but it's definitely something that I feel like other places growing up lack. Right. Because you're a dude from Mississippi that is into hip hop and Wozniak is like a young, skinny white kid from California who's into punk rock. Right. And you guys used to mess around with music all the time, bonded over that. I remember you coming to me one time and like. I was messing around with the baseline and you were kind <clears> of <throat> yeah. you know, running some bars over it. 
But like, I think that's one of the coolest things about the Navy is you get a bunch of kids from all over different parts of the country. Some, some people, different parts of the world, man. Yeah. And you have a common goal and you go out and you hang out and like, it really changes your perspective on life, you know, especially like, you know, in the world we live in now where everything's so crazy all the time. So, so, so divided a lot of times. Oh, yeah, like, I was thinking I think, you hit the, you hit the nail on the button, man. Cause I tell people like in the military and they break you that. And I think in boot camp, you're, you're, you're not, you're one color. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're talking about me, you, Wozniak. I remember Nordine was heavy in the drum and bass. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And we all like yeah. had that common bond. And you mentioned Danny. Yeah. Like yeah. all of us. And me and Tim are like, you know, full sleeved out tattooed, but, but we're hanging out with like people that wouldn't like, you wouldn't expect like a couple like big dudes with tattoos. Like you just wouldn't, people wouldn't think that you get along, but everybody does because, you know, A, you don't have a choice, but B, you have a common mission, man. Like everybody has a common goal and you learn to like, you tune out that bullshit of like, Hey, you're different from me. You came from a different place. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's one of the biggest things. And I talk about that with my brother a lot too. My brother was in, in the eighties. So it was, it was a different time, but you know, he's like me, he's very talkative and you know, he thinks that he's, you know, good with people and conversations and stuff like that. And it's because he went in the Navy when he was like 17 years old, you know, and he got exposed to different cultures and different countries, you know, not just within the Navy, just where you go too. you know, I mean, we got to hang out with the people of Thailand, people of Singapore, got to hang out with a bunch of cool Australians when we went there, like the three different times we went there, you know? So I don't know, man, like I said, like, I look back on it super fondly. I don't. I don't have a, a regret in my mind about it. But I know when I was there, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, as a 21 year old kid, I was I was a little smart ass. And and sometimes I wish I would have, um, you know, realized the gravity of the situation a little better. But hey, here we are, and uh, everything's good, you know. Yep. So, ET three Holden, Matt Holden, man, thank you for coming on Sea Stories. Thank you for being my first guest. Thanks for having uh, me, man. Not a problem, man. And, and thank you for the memory, memorable stories of the Bonham Richard. I'm pretty sure once we share this, <laughs> a lot of our uh, shipmates are going to chime in. Yeah, um, I hope they do, man. I hope they do. Yeah. So, hey, I know you're out there in La Mesa, California. I miss it out in La Mesa. I'm out here in hot ass Texas, but another time, <laughs> another place. <laughs> Wait, uh, this is Matt. I mean, Mark and Matt, and we're signing off on the first episode of Sea Stories. Thanks for having See me, you later, man. man. You have a good one. Hey, you too, Mark. Thanks, bro.